friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be with you today. Hey, today on the show is a new friend that I am already just so excited to introduce y'all to, though you probably already know him. Dr. Derwin Gray, Pastor Derwin Gray. I just love this guy, y'all. He came to the office with his wife and some of his staff, and we just had a great time getting to know each other and the words he shares today. You know, I love to warn you, This is a note taker. This one's a note taker. So if you get a chance, get your phone out. When something comes to your mind, get your journal. There is a lot to learn from Derwin Gray. His new book, The Good Life, is absolutely rocking me. I think y'all will really, really enjoy it. So here's my conversation with Dr. Pastor Friend Derwin Gray. Thank you for doing this today. I've hit record. Thank you. We're going, if that's okay with you. I put, sometimes people feel like I surprise them because we're just talking and they're like, yeah. you didn't tell me you hit record. <laughs> so. I prefer that. Let's just go. Let's we just, just get go, it. Yeah. right? Yeah. I am really excited you're here. You may be our first pro football player in the Whoa, building. Oh, that's what's I up. Think. Well, that is that is an honor. Well, <laughs> and uh, it's pretty cool. Now, I... I guess once a pro football player, always a pro fo- football player. But my sure. professional days are many moons behind me. However, my body reminds me that yeah. I was a human cannonball for yeah. many, many years. Yes. <laughs> the only other NFL player we've had is Tim Tebow. Yeah. And I went to Georgia, and he's Florida. Ooh, so you're, yeah. I already like you I more. I mean, can Jesus' blood break down the barrier between – the, the the bulldogs and gators. I don't think know. so. Do you hear the siren as soon as you start as talking about that, ambulance that's comes what by? I'm saying, man, that's uh, <laughs> that's rough in the southeast, man. Uh, I said to Tim, I was like, I mean, everybody misses on hearing the Lord every now and again, so yeah. it's fine. You're fine. <laughs> so this is our first time being friends. Yes. And there's a rule on our podcast. Okay. You we either are friends or someone I want to be friends with. Those are the only guests I can know how to bring on here. Okay. So I need to ask you some very basic Let's questions. Do it. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm not great at interviewing strangers, okay. but I'm really great if you and me and your wife were sitting at a coffee shop Let's and I was like, it. tell me more. So how did y'all even end up in Charlotte? Why Charlotte? <laughs> so in 1998, I was a free agent with the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. And we had played. We bring this a little closer to you. And we had played for the Colts for, for five years. Okay. And so I was what's called a free agent. And I thought I was going to re-sign with the Colts, but they got a new general manager by the name of Bill Polian. Okay. And Bill Polian came in, and they were like, no, we don't want to resign you. And I had spent five years there. I was a pillar in the community. Yeah. They called me to let me know they were no longer interested in my services, and it went this way. Uh, Derwin, yes, the new general manager does not want to resign you. Uh, we wish you luck. Bye. And five it. And five years was done. That was it. And I called my mentor on the, on, on the phone, and his name is Alan. I said, Alan. Colts don't want to resign me. And I was on the verge of tears. Yeah. And he goes, praise the Lord. I said, no, Alan, the Colts do not want to resign <laughs> me. He goes, praise the Lord. I said, why praise the Lord? He goes, well, uh, God has a new assignment for you. And wow. little did we know that I would sign with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And we never thought we would live in the southeast of the United States of America. We were like, we'll never live in the south. After about two weeks in Charlotte, we were like, 
this is nice. We're going to be staying here. So that's how we ended up in Charlotte. But we never projected our lives to be an author, to be a pastor. I grew up yeah. as a compulsive stutterer. And really? yes, and uh, didn't grow up in the church. And so people who know my wife and I, because she was just as lost as I was, they are shocked that we co-founded a church. Yeah. And I can promise you this, my English teachers from high school, if they knew that I've written books, yeah. if they were atheists, they would become believers. <laughs> that easy. Because that's the only way possible. <laughs> there has to be a God. That's right. Yes. There must be. There must be a God. If so Derwin did y'all get married with before you were believers? We did. We actually, we got married in college. Oh, cool. And so Vicky and I met second semester of my freshman year at Brigham Young. So I'm from San Antonio, Texas. Uh-huh. She's from Montana. In her town, there are more bars than churches. Yeah. I don't even know if there's a stoplight. So she was very high achieving, uh, incredibly bright. She got an athletic and academic scholarship to BYU. I got a football scholarship. And we met second semester, 1990, and we've been together ever since. Y'all grew up together. Yeah. I mean, that's... Like, literally, I've known her since I was 18. Yes. So what do you know about God from being with the same woman that long? that you w- didn't know when you were 19, right oh, before yeah. you met Oh, yeah, that's a great—you must do this for a living. <laughs> I'm just very of, curious That's one all of the, the time. best <laughs> questions I have ever had. And there's, there's several things that I have learned about God from being with my wife. Number one is faithfulness. Hmm. And when I talk about faithfulness, I mean faithfulness as in— uh, her love and encouragement of me, faithfulness yeah. and her love and wisdom and encouragement towards our, our kids. But then also sacrifice, because during pregnancy, she would go through a condition called hyperemesis gravidarum. Oh, wow. That's a Latin word for throw up all day, every day for nine <laughs> oh, months. Oh, my gosh. And we've had two children in between our son and in between our daughter and son, we had a miscarriage. Okay. And each pregnancy, she is violently ill. And to watch her go through this is such an act of love. And even with our last child, Jeremiah, she slipped into a deep clinical depression. Mm -hmm. And I just see the sacrifice of Christ to give herself so that our kids could come into the world, but also just her incredible strength. Also, you know, I've read a lot of books on prayer. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But well, I we love talking about prayer. But I have watched her pray. Hmm. I have watched her pray. I I know this like as sure as the sun is going to rise. When I get up in the morning and I go downstairs for coffee, her and our lovable cat, Mister Boots, all three and a half <laughs> feet of him and twenty two pounds of him, will be praying and reading the Bible. Like I've watched her pray. Like the yeah. woman knows how to pray. And so those those are things that have uh, rubbed off on me and have taught me about the Lord. How did y'all become believers? So I became a believer through a teammate. His name was Steve Grant. Okay. He played with the Colts. He was a linebacker. But every day after practice, he would take a shower, dry off, wrap a towel around his waist, and then begin to ask my teammates, do you know Jesus? Uh-uh. Yeah, uh-huh. And then in my mind, I'm like, bro, do you know you're half naked? Right. <laughs> and so I asked the veterans on the team, I'm like, yo, what's up with the half naked black man talking about do you know Jesus? Yeah. They, and they were like, don't they don't pay any attention to him. That's the naked preacher. <laughs> and so his nickname was the naked preacher. Wow. But one thing about him 
is he understood that being a professional football player was his cover to be a missionary. Wow. He understood that he had a mission field. And so over a five-year relationship, his words, his actions, he'd preach the gospel to me. We would talk. And on August 2nd, 1997, at Anderson University in Anderson, College, in Anderson, Indiana, it was my fifth year in NFL training camp. At lunchtime, I walked back to my dorm room, and I was just empty, just, just mm. utterly empty. And I got back to the dorm room. And I called my wife on the phone. I said, I want to be more committed to you, and I want to be committed to Jesus. And I felt when I was born again, like I felt the divine love of God just wash over me. And for three nights, I just I just cried. Like, really? how could someone love me knowing everything about me? Mm-hmm. And then she came to faith through a woman where she used to work. She worked at a inner city health clinic, and there was a woman there named Karen. And she would come home and say, this Karen woman is a good Christian. We didn't know what a Christian was. My wife just knew she was good. Well, one day over coffee, the woman asked her, do you believe in God? Uh, Well, are you a Christian? And Vicki said, well, I believe in God. And then Karen just slowly and beautifully explained to her, no, being a Christian is you believe that Jesus died for your sins on the cross. He took your place. Three days later, he rose again. Love was his motivation. And when you trust him, not only do you be, not only are you forgiven, but you're born again. And now you follow him and learn from him yeah. and trust him. And Vicky was like, okay. <laughs> it's and, a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was, but God was moving. Yeah. And then uh, I was away playing a football game and she was at this old Presbyterian church where the choir was behind it, yeah, behind you. And they sang a song and all she remembers is the song said, and he died for me. She heard that, started crying, literally ran out of the church thinking he died for me. And yeah. so that was like her born again mo- moment. But she I don't even think she knew she was actually born again. It was like mm. she was just changing and I was seeing her change. And she was yeah. about six months before me. So both of us came to Jesus in a uh, just a powerful none, quote unquote, religious way. We just met Jesus and we were just hungry to know him more. Like how could somebody love us like this? Yeah. I've been reading the gospels this year. Every month I'm reading all four gospels over and over Mm -hmm. as kind of my like daily reading. And when people have asked me why, and I've said, join in with me, like Mm -hmm. other people do this too, because my theory is when you really meet Jesus, he handles it. Yeah. I don't need to, you know, we don't need to talk anybody to anything. Both of y'all yeah. are saying when you really understand Jesus, it, yeah. all the rest of it kind of falls yeah, away. Yeah, you know, and I think for both of us, it wasn't like people who shared Christ with us was like threatening us, like, here, you're immoral, you're sinning. Right. It was a presentation of here's what Christ has done, here's who he is. This is how he loves you. Enter into this. Uh-huh. And it wasn't a threat. It was an invitation. Mm. Sin was acknowledged. Repentance was needed. But it was an invitation to grace. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got to imagine there are friends of ours listening who have 20-year-olds that are playing football at a university mm-hmm. right now and who don't know Jesus or who grew up and following the Lord and have gone off to college and have shifted what they do and how they spend their time. What what 
what would you go back and say to 19-year-old Derwin Gray? Or what, what are your thoughts yeah. for the next generation? You say when you're preaching all the time, you say, listen up, teenagers. Yeah. Like you see, you see the next generation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. So what I would have said to myself is this, is I would say this, uh, you're going to accomplish everything that you want and more. Mm. And when you do, you're going to find out that you're empty. And that there's somebody with living water who wants to fill you with love and grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say for parents right now, the kids who are wayward, is I would say pray for your kids to get, a, get to the end of themselves. Because mm-hmm. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of he- heaven. To be poor in spirit means I'm emptied of myself and I'm filled with him. Mm-hmm. And you can't get emptied of yourself until you exhaust yourself. Sure. And so I hadn't exhausted myself yet. I, I wasn't listening to anybody at 19 about Christ because I was too full of myself. Life hadn't spanked me enough yet. <laughs> Sin hadn't beat me up enough yet. Guilt right. and shame hadn't covered me up enough yet. But when it did, and I realized that I was literally spiritually bankrupt, that's when I could receive the riches of Christ. Do you have... Panthers players that come to your church? Do you ha- do you still get to invest oh, yeah, into the yeah. NFL community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Panthers players, Hornets players. I also speak a lot to NFL teams yeah. and uh, college teams and high school teams. Last spring, I was actually here in Nashville speaking to the rookies for the Titans. Oh, wow. And so, you know, being a former player, when you talk to other players, mm-hmm. there's like this instant street cred that takes place. Oh, I'm like, sure. They're like, oh, he's one of us. Like, I can actually trust him. Yeah, because he knows. Yeah. He knows what it's like. Yeah. Does the guy who's the naked pastor, Steve? Naked preacher, yes, Steve Grant. Is Steve still alive? Yes, he is. Does he, I mean, does he know what's happening with your life? Oh, yeah. And I'm not the, uh, there's like three other guys who played for the Colts who are in vocational ministry because of him. That is, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh. His his fruit are growing on others' trees. Yeah. Like he really got that I'm a missionary. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he said to the Lord before he got drafted was, Lord, please don't let me go to Green Bay. It's too cold or Indianapolis. They're not good. Uh- <laughs> and he ended up going to the Colts. Yeah. So the Lord knew exactly where he wanted to be. He ended yeah. up having a great NFL career, you know, husband, great kids. And now he lives in Dallas and he's still traveling and speaking. I mean, you just think there are so many of our friends who are listening that think that one time I told someone about Jesus didn't matter or that one thing I said to my neighbor that one time or the other moms at the on swim team or the other parents in my kids class. It won't matter what I say. And you go like, no, this guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think it's important for us to understand. And the Apostle Paul said in First Corinthians, uh, I believe it's three, six. Uh, I planted, Apollos watered, but the Mm. one who plants and waters is nothing but God who gives the increase. Every time that we have an opportunity to deposit seeds verbally Mm -hmm. and as well as actionably, that's being deposited in people's souls. Like I tell tell our church, I say, guys, we've seen thousands be baptized. We've seen thousands come to faith, but it's not me. It's God using us. All of us. We're throwing seeds, we're watering, but God is giving the increase. So never minimize an opportunity to love someone and share the greatest story that's ever been told. What what about for the people who feel so nervous about that? 
they're just so nervous their neighbor's going to get mad or they're, you know, the mailman isn't going to like that mm-hmm. they left a note in the mailbox with the Christmas gift. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you get over that nervousness of the rejection? Yeah, um, I don't think we ever get over the nervousness of rejection. But what I will say this is before you talk to Jesus, before you talk to people about Jesus, talk to Jesus about those people first. Mm. So you want to season their souls with prayer. Yeah. You know, prayer, care, share, right? You pray, you care, you share. And in today's day and age, people are not looking just for an explanation. They're looking for a demonstration. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the more that we can be loving, like it's sad, but love and kindness is so rare that people would go, huh, that's different because our culture is so angry. Yes. It's bitter. Yeah. It's malicious. I mean, it's like piranhas, man. And so (laughs) kindness and grace and mercy uh, earns the right for us to be heard. People are going to want to know why. And so you may never get over the nervousness. And I think nervousness and fear can actually be a good thing because it presses us into the Father's arms. Yeah, yeah. I um I want us to talk about the good life, but can we talk about prayer? Yes. For just a second. Yeah. Our friends on the other side, we have listening to us. We just love learning about how other people pray yeah. and learning about hearing God and that kind of stuff because everybody's story is so different. Prayer really changes things. Have you? Is what I think is yeah. true. Have you seen that? Absolutely. So. Uh, prayer, I believe, first and foremost, is about intimacy. Mm. Into me, you see. Right. And uh, uh, my next book that I'm actually working on right now oh, is yes. about prayer. Oh, it's, yes. It's, it's it's on the Lord's Prayer. So I'm steeped in it. Promise but, you'll come back when it oh, comes out. Oh, absolutely. Okay. If you have me. Yeah. Oh, of um, prayer, prayer, so often we think prayer is about getting, whereas I think prayer is about intimacy. Hmm. Into me, you see. Jesus starts with our Abba, our Father. Yeah. That that term Abba is a term of endearment. It's a term of love. It's a term of presence. And it's a term of invitation. Our Father. Our Father is inviting us to see him. And the ultimate sight of the Father is the Son. Mm. And the Holy Spirit gives us the glasses to actually see Jesus and behold him. Mm-hmm. And so prayer changes us. There have been times where Lord changed this circumstance, and in God's sovereignty, He's like, Well, actually, I allowed this circumstance so that you would seek my face. Mm, right. And the circumstance may not change, but I'm so good, I'll use the circumstance to change you. Right. Just yesterday, I w- we were. I, this is the silliest ex- example, but I was. We were online shopping here. I was buying a new suitcase, and I was like, I feel like I said to Ashley, who works for us, I feel like this is a little too expensive. I don't know. She's like, Annie, you can do it. You can do it. She leaves, and I yell down the hallway, Ashley. I just when I went to check out, I had a hundred dollar credit, <laughs> and she comes running back and she goes, What'd you say? I said I had a hundred dollar credit, so I can afford it. And she said, I literally asked God when we were sitting here mm-hmm. to give you a hundred dollars off that thing. And I'll, how about that? How about that? It's, it it would have been fine if it yeah. wouldn't have been there, but here's what it did to me is it made me go, why do I not just ask the Lord mm-hmm. to step in more? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he always will. It doesn't mean always look, but it's the intimacy. It of, is. Can I ask yeah. you to be a part of this, even online shopping? This yeah. Moment. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no detail too small that he does not want to be present in. Isn't that wild? That's what, a, I, I mean, so as a dad, 
like I am head over heels in love with my kids. Yeah. I mean, I have a beautiful brown eyed girl who has me wrapped around her <laughs> fingers. She knows if she needs some, some, something, call dad. Yeah. She knows somebody mess with her, call dad. I love my son. We have a unique and beautiful relationship as well. And if I'm that loving, why wouldn't our father in heaven be that yeah. loving? He's all wise. Yeah. He's merciful, compassionate, and when he blesses us, it's so that his kingdom will come to earth in us and through us. Mm. God's blessing is never just for us. Like yeah. our salvation in Christ is never just for us. It's so that God through us now can touch others as well. And a prayer that God will always answer is, Lord, your will be done. Mm. Man, do you know, I was just sitting at the end of Matthew and where Jesus says, not my will, but your will. Mm -hmm. I had, And now it's September. How many times have I read this part of the story? 33 times yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this year. And still I went, wait, that means Jesus had a separate will. Mm -hmm. That means Jesus wanted it to go a little bit differently. He did. Yeah, I, I mean, totally. So Jesus, Jesus in his humanity, right? Jesus is the is the theanthropic one, theos God, anthropic man. Jesus is the in his humanity. He's what Adam was supposed to be. That's why he's called the last Adam. First Corinthians fifteen forty five. Jesus is the last Adam. Jesus is the true version of what humanity was supposed to to be. So in his humanity. Everything he did was because of perfect obedience to the Father through the Holy Spirit. Mm. Jesus could have sinned. Right. But because he, he walked in perfect obedience to the Father, he did not, right? And yeah. so we look to him not only as Savior, but as the living portrait of who God is conforming us into his image. Yeah. And so in his humanity... We do, Hebrews 4.15, have a high priest who can sympathize with us, but yet without sin. That's what I love about Christ. Uh -huh. Like, like, So we look at COVID, and as horrible as it is, we are nowhere near the pandemics and the brutality of first century Greco-Roman world. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So an old man in Jesus's day was like 36. Oh, my gosh. Like you didn't live long because yeah, Joseph disappears from the story. There's yeah. leprosy, starvation is real. L listen, Jesus would have grown up seeing Jewish men hung on crosses throughout the streets of Galilee. That was huh. Rome's way of saying, we're in charge, we're the boss. Yeah, so th his own crucifixion wasn't the first one he oh, ever gosh, seen. Oh, gosh, no, no. Yeah, like, as a little boy, that. he probably saw that, right? So Jesus, in his humanity, in the garden, is saying, you know, Papa, if there's another way to rescue the world, I don't want to be the unblemished lamb. Yeah. But not my will, thy will be done. Yes. That's what, what it ended up having me do on Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember, is I just— as I was journaling, I'm going to get teary saying this to you. As I was journaling, I was just going, here's in this area, here's what I want. Yeah. But your will. Yeah. I mean, I just felt like, okay, what, what I didn't realize Jesus was modeling for me is it is okay to have what you want and not get it. Yes. And ma matter of fact, you need to say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> it is okay <laughs> to have what you want and not get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 
And here's what's beautiful, Annie, is is there are things that we want that the Lord knows we don't need. Mm -hmm. And there are things that we don't think we need, but the Lord gives to us because we need it. Right. And so Jesus, Luke 9, 23, pick up your cross and follow me. When you lose your life, you will find your life. Mm. God gives us new desires. I didn't used to like to read. I didn't yeah. used to like to write. The idea of being an author is ridiculous. The idea yeah. of being a pastor is ridiculous. And there, you got your doctorate. And I have my doctorate. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. I, I did Algebra 1 as a senior in high school. My <laughs> kids were doing that in seventh grade. Um, only, only God can shift desires. And there's a beauty in saying, Lord, if you went to the cross, if you rose again, if you love me with an everlasting, unending love, I can trust you that your will be accomplished. Mm. Because if your will is accomplished in me, that's right where I need to be. Yeah. Hey, friends, just taking a quick break from Dr. Derwin Gray to tell you about our friends who are sponsoring today. We would love to give a shout out to our partners at Raycon. Y'all know I cannot quit telling y'all how much I love these earbuds. Raycon aims to empower go-getters around the world by creating the next wave in wireless audio technology by bringing you and I only the best in wireless audio products that don't break the bank. Now, listen, I told y'all I love these Raycon Everyday E25 earbuds, and I listen to my favorite podcast out when I'm walking or running. These are what are in my ears. You saw it on our YouTube video about the Couch to 5K that these are the headphones I am wearing. With the everyday earbuds, you don't have to worry because when you get your box, there are different covers that actually fit your ears. And so they never fall out because you pick the ones that fit your ears perfectly. They come in this cute little compact carrying case that charges your earbuds up to four times in a single charge. And mine is rose gold, which I love. I keep forgetting you even have to recharge them because I've been using them so long without having to. The best part is Raycon has a 45-day free return policy, so you can make sure these earbuds are the wireless pair for you. So just go to buyraycon.com slash that sounds fun, and they're going to give my friends 15% off your order. Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of other premium wireless earbud brands, and they sound just as amazing. So go to buyraycon.com slash that sounds fun, and you'll get 15% off your order. I cannot wait for you guys to try these out. Jesus is such a great example for us. And that feels like one of my big takeaways so far this year has been like, oh, Jesus is an example for me in every single way. Yeah. In every single way. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm a 21st century female and he's a first century male, it still has been like, and we're from two different cultures, two different skin Mm -hmm. tones. We could not be more different if we were sitting next to each other. And he has been an example for me in every way. Mm -hmm. It has blown my mind. So let's talk about the good life because your book, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, Derwin, Dr. Gray, Pastor Gray, knows Jesus. I mean, you just literally went through the Beatitudes and told us why why the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom we live in. Yeah. And so yeah. what made this the right, of all the scriptures you could have picked, why going through the Beatitudes is what we need right now? Yeah, yeah. You know, before I jump into that, let, let, let me just say, Thank you for what you're saying, because I want my life, I want my ministry 
to be marked with, he's been with Jesus. Yeah. Not, well, he preaches really good. He writes really good. He's a decent dad, good husband. I want people to go, whoa, he's been with Jesus. Well, that is what be, I be, Because sadly, and you've been around long enough to know, and I've been around long enough to know, is you can be a good communicator, a good writer, and say absolutely nothing <laughs> but stuff that people want to hear. Uh-huh. And Jesus is the vortex of our existence. Mm. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Mm. Uh, people, and I say this respectfully, people don't need good ideas and good tips and pointers. Mm. They need a living, risen Savior mm-hmm. to save them at the uttermost, from the molecular level to every single thing he wants to be with us. So the idea for The Good Life actually started in 2014. Okay. I was mentoring, discipling, connecting with all sorts of people, saved, unsaved, male, female, black, white, whatever. And there was a common theme. No one was happy. Huh. So I said, what does Jesus say about happiness? But hiding in plain sight in the greatest sermon ever preached a Sermon on the Mount. It was so long, too. Jesus, It was a long sermon. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, they didn't have no attention span. I was like, they need some snacks. <laughs> yeah, right? That's why he's like, hey, little, hey, little dude, give me, give, me, give me your fish and your I'm bread, man. Your fish and bread. I'm about to make some Happy Meals <laughs> right, for some people. Right. Um, he, he starts the Beatitudes out with, with this word, blessed. Mm-hmm. And he describes seven characteristics of a blessed life in God's kingdom. Well, that word blessed in the Greek is makaros. And it literally means happy. So happy are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, happy are those who are emptied of themselves and filled with with, with God. Happy are those who mourn. In other words, happy are those who are so in touch with God that what breaks his heart breaks their heart. Mm. Happy are the humble. That doesn't mean that we think about ourselves. That doesn't mean we think less about ourselves. It means we think less about ourselves and more about God. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Happy are the merciful. Can we just pause here for for a minute? Please do. Couldn't we use some mercy? Can people just show each other mercy? My gosh. I mean, it is like living in a world of piranhas. Mm -hmm. We're just eating people alive and Satan is loving it. Yeah. Do you see that too as a pastor and, oh, and on gosh. Twitter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't even really go on Facebook anymore. Oh, I don't, I don't either. I mean, it is a dumpster fire. Anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but Jesus describes these seven characteristics of a happy life. Yeah. But when you look at this happy life, it's a holy life. Mm. So the good life is a life of happiness that leads to holiness. Mm. And that's the beauty and almost like the joke of it all is we're looking for happiness. And Jesus is going, not only do I want to give you happiness, but I want to give you holiness at the same time. And so the good life or happiness is not about good things always happening to you. It's about God making you good. The Beatitudes turn us into the people we'd want to be friends with. Oh, that's it. Turn, the Beatitudes turn us into. If you want to figure out who you want to be friends, if you want to be friends with yourself, mm-hmm. if you want to be that kind of person, you got to read The Good Life. That is, man, what a great thought. I, I have been, I'm drawn to Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Yeah. I, I just wonder 
what that looks like today. How do we be really good peacemakers, not yeah. keepers, but makers? makers? Yeah, yeah. So you know what's interesting is I finished this manuscript in the fall of 2019, and I wrote about how the early church responded to pandemics, uh-huh. and I wrote about how the early church responded to racial unrest. Yeah. In the chapter on peacemaking, Happier the Peacemakers, I started out with the scene of Rodney King being yeah. brutalized by police in 1992. And that was the in the era before cell phones. Right. So in 1992, it was like, oh, finally people will believe us. And then I go on throughout the chapter and I describe the animosity between Republicans, Democrats, rich, poor, like there's animosity everywhere. And here's Jesus saying this, blessed or happy are the peacemakers for they will be called children yeah. of God. Yeah. So when my kids were young, they looked like me. As they get older, they look like their mom. Why do they look like us both? Because they have our DNA. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the signs that we have Jesus's DNA is we're peacemakers. Mm. You can't avoid it. It's right there in red letters. Yep. So being a peacemaker is not passive. It's not avoiding conflict. It actually looks like the cross. Mm-hmm. We go into conflict with hopes of reconciliation, with love leading the way and understanding so that we can create a bridge for people to come together. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, that's why he was with Uh, the prostitutes. That's why he was with the tax collector. That's why he was with the people on the margins. And let's don't forget, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich Pharisee, also became a follower of Christ. Jesus is a universal savior for everybody. But what I'll say is this, specifically what I did in this chapter is I wrote a theology of reconciliation for the church, Mm. right? And specifically, to, to my majority culture, white brothers and sisters, ethnic reconciliation through the gospel has often not been taught. Right. And so some people will say, well, Derwin, well, just preach the gospel. And I'm like, the gospel, brother, is more than Jesus forgiven sins. Right. The gospel is Jesus not only forgives our sins, but he gives us brothers and sisters with different colored skins. Right. And we are to treat each other with oneness. What we say at Transformation Church is this, treat everybody like Jesus died for them because he did. And if your brother or sister is hurting and it's not an issue that bothers you, love says, no, it's my issue because that's my family. Oh, listen, you're about to get me on a soapbox about this because I'm Let's like, get on it. we mourn with those who mourn. I do not care if you understand. I do not care if you feel it. If some, if our friends are more, this happened with Chadwick Boseman dying mm-hmm. and I had white people jumping all over me about like posting about him how sad I knew some of my black friends were. And I said, I don't care if you understand. I don't understand everything. I've never been black. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. But if it says, if we are told to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, no matter what they're mourning, if I actually love them, I mourn with them. Well, and that's like chapter three of my my book. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So a lot of majority culture evangelicalism has missed out on a lot of what Jesus has said about compassion, mm-hmm. racism, justice. And it's really sad because it hurts the body of Christ. Right. Is, 
if we're truly the body of Christ, which the Bible says that we are, it's important that we not protect our cultural privilege, mm. but that we live in the privilege of being Christians. Mm -hmm. And so often people, white majority Christians, will tie their identity to America as though America is theirs. No, America mm -hmm. is all of ours. Yeah. Like my people worked for free for right. long hundreds of years. All right. <laughs> you know, without owning anything. Right. They were being owned. Right. So no, America, no, ain't there ain't there ain't no well, go back to where you came from. If we all went back to where we came from, <laughs> only Native Americans would be That's here. That's right. That's right. No, America belongs to all of us, but more importantly, we belong to Jesus. And if we belong to Jesus, then if if the Bible says we are the body of Christ, that means that if something hurts me and it doesn't hurt you, it should hurt you because you're the body of Christ. Right. And if something hurts you, that should hurt me. So like if 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 you were to come and say, you know, pastor, uh, I've been experiencing sexual harassment. I should care about that because you're the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. As a black male, I, I won't experience sexual harassment maybe like you have, but if you have, I shouldn't go, well, you know, well, what were you doing? What kind of clothes were you wearing? How were you acting? You know, all people matter. Right. Well, of course all people matter, but we don't treat all people like they matter. Right. Jesus says, for God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. Not just people who look like me and think like me, but the world. Right. If we can learn to love like that, we could give a beautiful witness to the world of what the kingdom of God looks like on earth. Mm -hmm. um, I'm learning. I'm newer at, at prioritizing loving everyone well from what I should be. So forgive me for that, that it took me too long to get to where this matters as much as it does to me now. But where, you know, where do we go from September of 2020 when mm -hmm. we're going into the election? When we're, my fear is that we will continue to polarize mm -hmm. and, and I don't know what to do. Yeah. So this is what I think. Um, I do think we will continue to polarize, but I actually think the church can galvanize. Yes. Tell me, teach me how. And when I say the church, I mean, blood bought people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't mean structures or denominations. Or I mean pastors. people. You or mean pastors. People. Right. I mean all uh -huh. Jesus's pe pe people. I believe that God is unveiling and revealing the wheat and the tares. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God is going to raise up, leading with Gen Z, a new kind of Christianity that looks like the old kind of cr mm -hmm. Christianity, where justice, evangelism, racial reconciliation and mercy, where we're pro all of life from the womb to the tomb and beautiful discipleship centered around love God and love your neighbor, love yourself is going to emerge. Like, I feel like we're in the birth pains of something more beautiful coming about that's going to be prophetic to the donkey and the elephant. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Like we're the party of the lamb, yeah. <laughs> not the elephant or the donkey. Yeah. And I see a church where we're going to say, you, you, you know what? Some people can't start healthcare, so we're going to start it at our church. You know what? Some people can't get their teeth fixed. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to start at our church. We're going to get mm -hmm. doctors and, and nurses. And, and, and like right now, since COVID, our church has made over 200,000 meals 
for over 400 families no. per week. Oh Last God. Christmas, we paid off, I think, $4 million in debt for <gasps> people who are not even a part of our church. No. And so we want a demonstration along with an explanation. I think God is raising up something beautiful out of the midst of, of this. And it happens like you're, you're saying, spend time with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Spend time with him. The idea of cool, hip Christianity has shown itself to be an utter failure. Yeah. Like, I don't care how many campuses, like our church is big. Praise, praise God. We have a big church, but I just don't want to be big and bloated. Right. Like the world is literally burning down around us and we're talking, yeah, I got another campus. Right. But what are the people in that campus actually doing in the culture? Mm-hmm. Are we a part of the problem? Are we being salt and light to the problem? Mm-hmm. So how, how, how do I do that as a normal Annie? I'm not a pastor. I am on the teaching team. So I do have the privilege of being a voice. It starts, but... it, it starts in home. Say it starts with God, bring people different than me to me. Lord, show me how I can impact people individually, but also systemically and culturally. Mm. And if everybody just does their little part, there's a big part. But also keep this in mind, Annie, and this is so important. The goal is new heavens and new earth. Okay. So... We're not going to have utopia outside of Jesus returning. Yeah. And so my one of my favorite restaurants is a restaurant called Papado's. Oh, now yeah, we're yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so listen, I don't even need a menu. I'm going in. I'm getting the oysters Papado for appetizer. And then I'm rocking with the blackened catfish Opelousas. Oh. But here's the deal, though. The appetizer is so good that it gets me ready for the main meal. The, oh, man, the oysters have spinach on it and garlic, butter, and all kind of good stuff. Uh-huh. That I know the main meal is going to be so good. Well, guess what? We as the church are giving out appetizers for the main meal. Oh, boy, right. And the appetizer is we're going to love you. Mm. We're even going to love our enemies. Because understand this, justice without Jesus is vengeance. That's, Justice without Jesus is vengeance. And that's why buildings yeah. are burning, all types of unhealthy protests. Yeah. Violent protests is not Jesus. Mm-mm. And so we as the church, individually, systemically, are to be that appetizer for the main meal. And that's what, what we get to do. Yes. So it's, so it's as simple as, even as you've been talking, it's as simple as I was thinking— Okay, but from now on, before I interact with someone on Instagram or on Twitter that has got my blood boiling, mm-hmm. I say, Jesus, make me a peacemaker. You know, and <laughs> here's something that I learned, too, particularly with Twitter, right? There's this beautiful button called mute. <laughs> right. Push it. Like when I sense that somebody just wants to be contrary, you get muted because uh-huh. uh, I can't come off the wall. Yes. It's like... Nehemiah, I have to continue to build the wall. And Generation Z is longing for a Jesus-led movement. Mm -hmm. They're longing for it. Like, they don't want the the uh, five ways to clip your toenails messages. They yeah. they want to know about the king of the kingdom. Like mm-hmm. they're longing for it. And so in this moment, it's super important for the church to be even more theological, more biblical, more Christocentric, because people are longing for Jesus. Mm-hmm.
Hey, friends, interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about our friends over at Rothy's. Listen, it's time to start thinking about your fall wardrobe. It's getting a little bit chillier, and by that I mean two degrees, but it is time to take your first steps into fall with comfortable, washable, and sustainable products from Rothy's. Now, I know you've heard about this company from me. They make sustainable shoes and bags for life on the go, carefully crafted with eco-friendly materials like repurposed plastic water bottles and marine plastic. Rothy's shoes are so comfortable. You don't ever have to break them in. They just feel good from start to finish, and there are so many great designs you know that their best-selling shoe, The Point in Black, has over 3,000 nearly perfect reviews. The newest Rothy styles include brand new bags, masks, and their first adjustable sneaker. Get ready, world. The lace-up is out of this world comfortable. And as with all the shoes, it's knit from thread made from repurposed water bottles. Now, we love how they look, obviously. Y'all know I love my pink pointy ones. I'm all about those camo cat sneakers. I absolutely love Rothy's and the fact that they wash so easily. They're just like the dream shoe, whether you're traveling or whether you're home. But I also love that they come in tons of different colors and prints, so many styles. You can actually pick the one that looks the most and feels the most like you and your style. And if you get three or four different pair, then you know you've got a couple that are very right for you in all the right moments. So check out all the amazing shoes and bags and masks available right now at rothys.com slash sounds fun. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash sounds fun. It's where style and sustainability meet to create your new favorite. So go to rothys.com slash sounds fun today. Tell me the propheticness or the prophetic meaning to you that the good life actually came out on June 2nd, which is Blackout Tuesday. <laughs> I could not it's even. Wild. So I talked about global pandemics before yeah. it took place. I talk about the racial unrest and all that stuff. And then it comes out on Blackout Tuesday, June 2nd. And it's been a bestseller over the summer. I mean, God's hand is on this book. And I knew he was doing something special when I was writing it. But even more so, I think it's a right now message that... If you're a person seeking who Christ is, you're going to encounter him. If you're a person who knows Christ, you're going to learn more about him. But not just learn, he's inviting you into like a good life. Like you legit can be happy even in the midst of a 2020 that is a dumpster fire. 2020 is a straight up dumpster fire (laughs) floating down the street in a flood. Right. I mean, first Kobe and his daughter and the other folks pass, COVID hits, and then we get into this crazy political stuff. People are losing jobs. I mean, everything's blowing up around us, but right in the middle of that, like a rose coming out of the concrete, I see God raising up a peculiar and beautiful people who have a happiness that's not linked to situations, but the God who's sovereign over all. I mean, you were supposed to be in Nashville in the spring. We were supposed to do this two months ago. It just feels like, man, the Lord is putting the good life right in front of me and my friends right now. Like we're supposed to read it right now. You know, as an author, there's trepidation about, is anybody going to read the book? Yeah. And besides, I wasn't going to read this book. I, I mean, I wasn't going to write the book 
Actually, my 24-year-old daughter is the one who convinced me to do it. Really? Because I was insecure and I was given all these excuses about why I couldn't. We're on vacation in downtown Oslo, Norway. Oh, wow. And I was given her excuses. And she looked at me. She said, Dad, if God called you to write this book, you're writing it for him. No one else. Wow. And I was like... She's been listening. Thank you, God. Yeah. And then secondly, I was like... <laughs> the student has become the teacher. <laughs> I know. Seriously. And then secondly, I was like, she's right. So I began yeah. to write. And so the timing and the prophetic nature of it is epic. But even the good life, you can have the good life. But guess what, though? It's a lot different than you think. Yeah. It's more beautiful. It's more lasting. And it's more impactful. Mm-hmm. And there's a Bible study too, right? Yes. So we can go deeper into it. Is it video teaching and all yeah, that? Yeah. So yes. video teaching, Bible study, and there's also a teen version as well. Let's go. Uh, at Transformation Church, if you are in sixth grade or above, you're in with the adults. Uh, of our servant leaders or volunteers, like 20% are under the age of 18. Oh we want our students rubbing shoulders with adults so that we get, when they get in the real world, they know how to handle themselves. And so I preach and teach so that students can understand. So it's a great opportunity for parents and for students to do the Bible study as well. Uh, when we were recently on vacation in Montana, uh, my wife and I were part of the Bible study of the good life that her mom was I doing saw the for, picture. for four weeks. And so the videos were awesome, man. Like I was like lost. Like I didn't, I forgot it was me teaching and I was lost in it. We had great conversation and then I could just see her mom. She was just so proud of us. And every so often, every so often I would say to her, I would say, Mom, I bet you never saw this happening when you first time you met me at 18. <laughs> and we just start laughing. She's like, no, nah, I didn't see this happening. I didn't it see had this. to be fun to see your mother-in-law, so older than us, and all of her buddies oh, sitting around doing your oh, study. Oh, and her buddies are straight gangsters. <laughs> oh, man, it's awesome. One of them's like 85. She can't even hear. Yeah. She can't hear nothing. But she was in the study. <laughs> she had her other girlfriends. We had this one guy that's a pastor. He had been a pastor for 41 years. I was like, I was like, bro, respect. Right. Those are the people like, that can be front straight, row of heaven and I'm going to be mowing the grass. Bro, I was I like it. straight up respect. Yes. I'm like, you can do whatever you want to do. So yeah, the Bible study is incredible. And so what we have tried to do is just to create this in, this immersion into the Beatitudes. And even at the end of the, the book, I have what's called a 30-day happiness challenge where you yeah. read Matthew 5, 3 through 12, 30 days straight, but using the sacred discipline called licta divina, uh-huh. which is a Latin word for sacred reading. It simply means you read it slowly, you read it prayerfully. Mm-hmm. And it's more about a soaking, a marinating, an immersion. And then I have what's called a happiness manifesto. It's I like you just, you manifesto. just, thank you. You just read it like I'm choosing happiness because I'm choosing Jesus. Yeah. And uh, he begins to form us into people we never ever thought that we could be. Yeah, it's just amazing. And the timing, I mean, I, I feel like I've watched it all summer as the Lord has just brought the right books, the right albums. He knew what we didn't know, as usual. He knew what we didn't know, and he just said, Derwin couldn't have known, but I'm going to get him to write this book, and I'm going to plant these little memories in his head. And and it is it is book for the moment. It is a word for us right now. 
Rama. Yeah, Rama. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Rama word it's for right us. Now. I just think so. So, thank you for doing the work around that. Well, thank you so so much. And you know, I had tons of help. Uh, BNH team is great. Aren't they? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, God has been incredibly gracious, and I'm thankful for it. And I'm just continuously blown away by how Jesus is changing lives through it, yeah. that we're entering into the good life. I'm glad you're already working on the next one. I am. Here we I'm, go. I'm like, I'm like five <laughs> chapters deep on prayer. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we cover? No, I think we're good. This I think we been, did this it. Is, this has been beautiful. Oh, Thank you so much. I'm so. What people didn't hear is you did a thing that people do not do enough or do very often, which is you, we prayed before we started. And I just thought, yeah, that is, that is what, that is what changes everything. Is when there is something divine invited, God, Absolutely. but something a divine moment that says this is going to matter for a really long time. Oh yeah, like the idea of not praying before a podcast or not praying throughout the day is like trying to breathe carbon monoxide and mm. expecting oxygen. Yeah. Like literally what we teach at Transformation Church is that all of life is worship. Mm. The only thing that's not worship is sin. So work is worship. Dating yeah. is worship. All of life is an opportunity to experience Christ. All of life is his playground. All of life is an opportunity to experience Christ. Oh, I love that. Okay, we got a final question for you. Okay. It's a little bit of a left turn, but Let's I believe do it. in you. I like it. You're I like handling it. this great. You can handle me very well. I'm grateful. Well, thank you. <laughs> because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Okay. Tell me what y'all do for fun. So what I like to do for fun is I like to go fishing. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Carlos Whitaker, are y'all bros? You know what? Have y'all yeah. fished together? Well, Carlos does like the fly uh-huh. fishing trout stuff. So that's like kind of that bougie fishing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Carlos and I are going to go because he loves Montana. Uh-huh. I love Montana as well. But uh, I'm not a fly fisherman dude. I'm like lakes and creeks yes. and streams. And so uh, that's what I like to do is just I like the rod and the reel. Just a rod and reel. I uh-huh. like to get out there. Um, years and years ago, as the Lord was continued to refine me and transform me and bring up, you know, just the junk that we have, like uh-huh. we get saved in a moment. But sanctification is a lifetime. Yes. And so I was asked by a counselor, draw a picture of your happiest time. Oh, wow. Most people would think it would be me playing football. Sure. But it wasn't. It was me and my grandmother fishing. Oh, wow. Your grandmother, not even your grandfather. That's so no, sweet. No, my grandmother. My oh. grandmother used to take me fit fishing and she would catch more fish than me. She had a cane pole. <laughs> she didn't even have a real fishing pole. She had a cane pole. Oh. And anyway, so whenever I go fishing, it just brings me to a place, and I usually do it on my Sabbath day rest. Yep. It brings me to a place of just enjoying God's presence and just being with him. And I catch fish and I throw them back in. And I'm like, man, if granny was here, she'd be so mad. Because my grandmother's <laughs> old school. Like, she ate the whole fish. That's right. <laughs> Head to tail. Annie, she ate the head, the <laughs> eyes, the tail. And she's like, she's like, do it. You don't know what you're missing, boy. Ooh, wait, this, this eye is good. I'm like, oh. no, Grant, I ain't no fish eye. Yeah, so. Um, we didn't even get to talk about Sabbath every week. Oh, Are you yeah. Never, me too. I got to. We got to. Yeah, if you don't come apart, you will fall apart. Mm. And Sabbath, Sabbath is us saying, Jesus, you're in charge. Mm-hmm. Have you written that book yet? 
That's going to be a part of this book in prayer. Great news. Okay, good. Yeah. We'll just save it. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> if you wanted from Derwin today about prayer and Sabbath, you've got to come back. Yeah. Oh, thank you for doing this today. Thank you. You're I'm awesome. Really I pre- appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, friends. How awesome is Dr. Derwin Gray? I know, I know. I listen, make sure you grab a copy of The Good Life and The Good Life Bible Study. I am really looking forward to digging more into that. I just am grateful for him and appreciate his words. Make sure you give him a follow and tell him thanks for being on the show and how much his words meant to you. He's kind of all over the internet right now, now that we're allowed to travel again and and kind of getting with people. I want to encourage you. He also is coming up on Crosspoint's Anything's Possible podcast. And that conversation is amazing as well. So if you are, if you didn't get enough Derwin Gray, go to Crosspoint's Anything's Possible podcast or listen across the internet wherever you want to hear him. He is brilliant. The more Derwin Gray's thoughts in my brain, the better off I am. And I am thrilled to be reading his book, The Good Life. Hey, if you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. You know this. Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. All the places you may need me, that is how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun. And we'll see you back here on Monday with Jay and Allison DeMarcus from DeMarcus Family Rules. It's You're going to love this one. See you guys on Monday.